UK Motor Talk. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another UK Motoring Talk podcast. UK Motored. Hello everyone and welcome UK to Motoring a- Talk. <laughs> right. A spin-off of UK Motor Talk, a wholly owned subsidiary of UK Motor Talk. Or is UK Motor Talk is a not-for-profit podcast. UK Motoring Talk is, uh, <laughs> is where the Benjamins really roll in. That's the shell company, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Back from our tour of the Cayman Islands. I've got a nice tan now. Right. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another UK Motoring Talk podcast. I've just done it again! (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Fluffer! Oh dear. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another UK Motoring Talk podcast. I am Mike and I'm half pickled. (laughs) I think that's quite uh, quite obvious. I'm Jim. Good evening, good day, good morning. I'm Graham. Good evening to you all. And I'm Dave and I wish I was pickled but uh, I'll be remedying that in a couple of hours time I should imagine. And he's back. Welcome back. What, why wait? If you start drinking heavily now by the end of the podcast we'll, uh, we'll see how ranty and angry you get. Or with some careful <laughs> editing from Andrew you'll appear very drunk at the beginning of the podcast and totally sober at the end of it. Who knows? As, as someone who practices the art of editing, I wouldn't want to inflict any more harm on him than he's already done in, in the course of putting these things together. I know what it's like. No, I'll save. I'll save that pleasure for later. We can do ranty and angry anyway. We don't need any alcohol. To exactly. Do Stone yeah, cold we'll sober. We'll give it a go. Uh, well, what have we got to uh, to talk about this week? I think as is somewhat customary. This year, with UK Motor Talk and, and the motoring and racing world, we uh, we do need to start with some sad news, don't we? The uh, the recent passing on of Sir Frank Williams, and uh, he'll uh, he'll be sorely missed. I mean, it's it's a good thing that his name lives on uh, in his team. It's a, a very good thing that Doralton Capital haven't uh, haven't changed the name already. I think they uh, they certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't dare now. But a uh, a great great man, and if you know. If ever you're feeling down about your life or you're thinking that things are stacked against you, just uh, just think, what would Frank do? And Frank would just keep fighting and, uh, and all the adversity and everything that he overcame in his life to achieve everything that he's achieved, you know, pretty much on his own and then with a select team of, uh, of friends and, and people around him is phenomenal. He will be missed. I guess that was one of his strengths that he did build right from the very earliest days such strong teams around him with people like Patrick Head and Adrian Newey and uh, Dickie Stanford and, and Annie Bradshaw. Annie Bradshaw is still going. I mean, she's she's working on the, the W Series, delighted to see. Um, but, but, you know, the, the, he had that team, I guess, from the very, very late 70s, pretty much. Um, and they were absolutely loyal. And they became, I think, post-accident when he had his terrible tragic accident in 86 they became even more protective of him um and it was very very difficult to to get to him to talk to him to interview him or anything like that very difficult endlessly fascinating man of a generation that's that's virtually all gone unfortunately and you did get to interview him didn't you graham I seem to remember. I think I remember editing the um, the interview. How did you find him? I found him vastly interesting. Everybody at the time was was asking him about his next season's driver choices, and I knew he wasn't going to tell me. So what the hell was the point of asking him that? But several <laughs> people had asked him that already, um, and I had an agreement with his um, minder, which is actually the, the 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 guy that looked after him physically, not not a PR minder. Um, that um, I, I wouldn't ask him that. But what I did ask him, which I found very enlightening, was how that decision is made. You know, is it is it Frank saying, I'm going to have so-and-so? Do the money men uh, dominate? Or, you know, just how many people does he take into his, his confidence in making those decisions? And, I, you know, the interview, I think, was fascinating for that. It's just, it, it, it shed a lot of light for me on on his management style and just the, the way he did things with with this this very tight coterie of of friends colleagues uh, respected advisors um, that that took him through 
uh, certainly two decades of success. All right, the latter years were perhaps not so successful, but uh, you know, nine constructors' championships and seven drivers' championships is not to be sneezed at by anybody's record book. Well, no, I mean, Williams are uh, still second in the all-time list of constructors' championships, aren't they? And uh, I think in the drivers' championships as well, drivers that have uh, driven for Williams, A, interestingly, have never won a championship for another team. So whether that says something about the, the recruitment or the way they do it, uh, I'm not quite sure. Obviously, they haven't won it for a while, as you say. But um, in terms of drivers' championships as well, they're, they're behind... Ferrari, McLaren, and Mercedes. Although I think the uh, the Mercedes stats have been ever so slightly skewed by uh, by recent events, but uh, you know to be top four and and second is is just a remarkable achievement. And uh, I think it'll take a while before they uh, drop off. But hopefully, with the investment they've got in the team, uh, who knows? Maybe they can uh, they can go one better or start climbing up the rankings again. Let's just say it's no uh, no small achievement. Uh, for a team to be capable of building a car that allows Pastor Maldonado to win a Grand Prix. I mean, that's, mm. that's probably just... You'd put yourself in the record books with that just on its own, I think, wouldn't you? Indeed you would, but I mean, if you look at the, the, the list of drivers that uh, went through... For me, Alan Jones and Damon in 96 bookended the most successful period, but there, there were so many other impressive drivers uh, that went through his hands. Uh, and drivers that they nurtured, and they continue to do that. Clearly, even when um, Claire took over, you know, she's made of the, of the same stuff. I mean, quite literally. But um, she is equally steely and determined and uh, was bringing people on with a future, as they understood it. And in, at the same time, trying to get uh, Dad to retire and... Uh, Fortunately, he did finally retire, but not until 2020. You know, the man who had so much damage inflicted upon his body in that that terrible road accident that um, he said afterwards, I mean, very facetiously, I mean, he was hauled out of the of the car by, uh, by the head of PR at the time as they were driving back from a test session. And he, he said facetiously afterwards, I never could resist a bend. That's in his nature. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's the way he drove when he was uh, trying to make it as a race driver right at the very beginning. Uh, he quite quickly realised that um, that was not the route for him. And as he was sort of buying and selling old racing car parts and so on at the time, desperately short of cash, uh, there's the famous story of him effectively running the business with a bag full of small change in, in a, the old-fashioned red payphone. And that was how he kept contact. Um, but... You know, he turned the business around from there. He got the right people on board. And the success story just continued really up into the... To I think his last win was 2012, something like that. No, he's a, I think he's a, an example to us all, really. I mean, most people, if they're sort of rendered tetraplegic by something like what happened to him in that car in 86, would be lucky if they sort of survived for the next few years, let alone thrive in the way that he did and um, to, to see what he achieved by very careful sort of accumulation of the right people around him. But, I mean, he led from the front, no matter what condition he was in. He was very much, uh, you know, no pun intended, a driven man. And and he succeeded and, and did wonderful things. And I think, um, you know, we only need to look at the people that wanted to drive for Williams. You had, and they brought on people like Coulthard, Damon Hill. There was obviously Nigel Mansell, Alan Prost. I mean, these are all names that we are every day familiar with. And they wouldn't have gone to Williams if they, if they thought that he was just going to be making up the numbers. So, yeah, I mean, a terrible shame. Um, but the man lived way outside his years. And I think we should be grateful that he was around as long as he was. Mm, quite so. And and one of that that generation of um, uh, of, of tough, single minded, obsessive people like Ron, like um, all the guys of that era, Ken Tyrrell, one I remember meeting several times, and Bernie, of course, you know, at uh, what is it, ninety one, he's still going strong, and he still advises people, and um, I think there's one or two people he's still lending money to because certainly Frank was uh, quite honest. If one reads the uh, a very good book on the on the subject, the Piranha Club. Uh, which I can wholeheartedly recommend, which is um, it really is the sort of the inside story, I think, of uh, Bernie and the, the team bosses' relationships. And certainly at various times, as 
many of those team bosses fell on slightly harder times, uh, Bernie would bail them out, as um, uh, Frank admitted you know, on several occasions he'd had to go cap in hand to uh, Bernie. But uh, to some degree in later years, one of the most uh, financially successful was uh, Eddie Jordan. And you know, at, at times, uh, Eddie was lending money to various people, but at the same time borrowing from Bernie as well. So curious times, but the things people had to do to make it all work. I'm not sure who I'd least prefer to owe money to, Bernie Eccleston or Eddie Jordan. I don't think I'd like to be in debt to either of them, to be honest, if uh, if I couldn't pay, that is. Oh, yes, um, I, I quite agree. Uh, if if it came to a uh, an, an argument person to person, perhaps Eddie's a bit smaller, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, there's, there's probably not a lot in it. But they're pugnacious characters, all of them, and that's how they got to where they were. If one reads any of the biographies of, uh, of Bernie, uh, it's it's fascinating stuff, you know, from from post-war bomb sites, second-hand car salesmen to running the the, the biggest, most influential, and most uh, profitable, I guess, uh, uh, sport on the planet. To finish off, Frank Williams will be sadly missed, and uh, the uh, I think the the outpouring of of tributes, you know, as always when somebody like this uh, passes on uh, everybody always comes out and uh, and shares some fond memories but i think for for me what struck was the number of people who thanked frank for the opportunities that he gave them you know he he gave people the the tools and the ability to prove their worth and he he could spot good drivers and world class drivers from uh, from quite a distance away uh, and put them in a position where they they'd have the machinery to uh, to demonstrate their talents, as you said, Graham, people wanted to drive for him because, okay, I know if I'm racing for you, I've got a shot at winning something. I think that's why he could probably get away with paying them a little bit less as well, because he'd rather spend less money on the drivers and more money on the car. Uh, that was often is, the is case. Probably fair enough, I think. Although in uh, modern times, it's you can say, well, we can spend a little bit more on a good driver because, okay, he costs us more, but he's worth two tenths, so that's two tenths we don't have to find in the car. And I think two tenths of a second in uh, in modern Formula One costs you a lot more money than it used to find. So maybe that philosophy's changed a bit. But uh, as as I say, the uh, he he gave so many opportunities to so many people to uh, to fulfil their ambitions. So um, it's uh, a lot of lives that he touched in a positive way, and uh, has given a lot of people, including myself, uh, a lot of good memories watching his cars racing and winning and and putting some of my heroes on top of the world. Quite so, quite so. He was he was smart enough never to make me an offer after I uh, crashed the, the the simulator on lap two of Monaco. Um, well, that was that was the the, the company's sim uh, that they were using. All the drivers were using at that stage, and uh, I came out of the tunnel and crashed into the barriers around the swimming pool. One of those classics, but far too fast, far too incompetent, and uh, it really did clatter. I do remember. Easy, it. easy done. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, very very good drivers who've crashed coming out of the tunnel as well. I, I think, to be fair, most drivers have crashed coming out of the tunnel. So at least you're in a, an illustrious company there. It never made me an offer, and I understood why. <laughs> Sir Frank Williams, who has sadly left us aged 79. And if you'd like to read more about our tributes, then do head over to ukmotortalk.co.uk and just have a read about some of his history and his life. Right now, it is just after Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and undoubtedly, some of us who maybe don't leave everything to the last minute might have been looking at Christmas gifts, and I have done just that. And there have been some quite interesting car-related gifts. I, I found a couple of things that I've looked at and thought, there's definitely people I would buy that for. Not necessarily that I would want, but uh, but that, uh, that I would buy that for. And what if you guys had found anything? Uh, well, I'm... Bought myself, well, kind of us, well, kind of the track car, a Christmas present. So there was a, a bonus nectar points offer on eBay. So we treated the race car to some aero catches for the bonnet. So we were quite excited by those, weren't we? Or as excited as two supposedly grown men can really get over a couple of locking mechanism clasps. They're very satisfying though, aren't they? They they looked very nice. So I'm quite happy with those, to be fair. And I got 50 times nectar points as well. So I was even more I happy. genuinely have no idea what that even is. A lot of points to spend on bits for the race car on eBay. You, you did try and explain this to me. And you got your calculator out and you said, well, they were however much they were. And then you tapped in, which means it's that many points. And I just still know. It's like the air miles. 
that I've got on my on my credit card, they build up and after what seems like seven or eight years, there was literally enough to fly between Gatwick and Heathrow. <laughs> uh, no, your your uh, air miles got us to Geneva and back, didn't they? Or was it Geneva and halfway back? So we had to pay about £4 each to get all the way back from Geneva. And then the taxes, which were as much as the airfare. Yes. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, we flew <laughs> from London City Airport. But we did get a ham sandwich, so, hey, fantastic <laughs> the top dream. quality. And that's Live it. Thank you, dream. British Airways. Other airlines <laughs> are available. Uh, and there are definitely other ways to fly. They take more care of you. I seem to remember. Well, they offered me a sandwich and they didn't immediately draw the curtain so we couldn't see the people in first class or whatever, you know. Gaze in awe. Look at what you can't have. Now, <laughs> get on with your sandwich and shut up. British Airways, flying the flag. Walk in, glance left, but turn right. Oh, OK. <laughs> Here's what you could have won. <laughs> Completely unconnected, but we uh, turned up 24 hours late for a flight from Madrid back to uh, this country. And uh, had it been any other airline, they'd have told us to... Uh, Go away in no uncertain manner. Uh, BA said, no, we can't get you on this flight. It's full up. You can go on the next one, but you'll have to go business class. So we did. No extra cost. Oh, nice. There you go. There's a lesson Only to Only you, Graham. Back. Only you. Luck of the draw. Well, <laughs> the, 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 my wife was in tears at the time, so perhaps that helped. Ah, oh, maybe. Um, I, I've had a bit of an idea for Christmas stuff for the person in your, your life. I think it's time that CB Radio made a comeback because... You know, if you if you're of an age that I am, you'll you'll remember that CB radio back in our dotage was our social networking. Literally, there was no sitting there FaceTiming and all that crap. There was there was sitting there listening to crackly voices swearing, usually with echo and music playing in the background, trying to work out what the hell they were saying. But it was fun because it was technical and you had the excuse to put a bloody great big aerial in the back of your house. To be fair, yeah. that is just like the beginning of our Zoom meetings where Graham hasn't quite arranged his microphone properly <laughs> and we're all swearing at each other. <laughs> I was going to say, it's just like this podcast. We, get yeah. a, we, no, we can get the tinfoil out next week and I can just rustle it gently against my uh, microphone, <laughs> if you like, just for added effect. The my, my, my laptop screen is now uh, bearing an apology from Firefox for crashing, and we're very sorry. Oh, so, no. not not well entirely me. Tell them yeah. they need to go outside and have a damn good talking to themselves. <laughs> no, the the thing is, though, with CB, that when you got old enough to have a car, it gave you the excuse you needed to stick a sodding great big aerial on the boot of your car and live out your uh, Dukes of Hazard fantasies in your in your <laughs> Mark II Ford Escort, I seem to remember. That may have been someone else. It may have been me. Don't know. But good fun. <laughs> and um, it does seem to be having a bit of a resurgence. And obviously, it died a death. You know, it was the craze of the sort of the 80s, and then it all went away when films like Convoy were no longer being made. But... It is. It has made a comeback, not least because you now have an awful lot more channels to play with, I've found out. So you can play with the European channels, just as we decide we don't want to be part of Europe anymore. And you can now, again, if you're of a certain age, this will be a miracle to you, you can now use sideband and AM. That will mean nothing to about 99% of the audience. But <laughs> it's heard of people AM, like me. That's, that's AM. in the morning, isn't it? AM and then FM in the afternoons. No, no, it was um, it was always <laughs> the naughty people used to have AM radios, which were the ones the Americans used, and then the British government decided you're not having that, you're having FM. Anyway, you can now get a starter kit from Messrs Thunderpole. What a fantastic name! That's a great name. A, it is, isn't it? They they were always sure that's the people. Not a porn star's name. No, no, it is absolutely a legitimate. There has got some. Has got a picture of quite a pretty woman demonstrating the microphone technique on there. But um, just looking at it, it will give you one of their starter packs for eighty-four pound ninety-nine, which gives you an aerial, a very tiny cigarette packet-sized CB radio. Which, again, if you're of an age and you remember what they used to be like, they were the size of uh, house bricks and weighed about as much. These things are tiny now, so you can stick it in your car, stick a mag mount on your roof, and go and talk to lorry drivers. So, you know, I think it's time. I think it's time CB came back. I understand that these are, are still quite popular in a, in a load of places because I remember chatting to one of our drivers years and years ago, and I was in a van. I couldn't figure out why. I think it was a transport or something. They had so many slots that looks like they would fit stereo. So I assume there's one for a taco, one for the printer for the taco, whatever the other thing was. And there was still more. And I said, why would you need so many? And he said, oh, it's for the CB radio. So well, who does that? And he said, well, apparently in places like Poland, it's really popular still. 
Mm. No idea. A lot of the Polish vans that you see sort of coming over, the um, the ones who sort of do the runs between here and Poland, bringing stuff backwards and forwards for the expats, every single one of those vans will have a CB aerial somewhere on it. Yeah. It's, um, they, they love it. It's very, very popular over there. And um, I think it's because it's just it's a bit of a giggle really i mean there's if you go on there now there's about three people and they're all swearing at each other and they're all got echo on so you can't actually hear what they're saying but i don't know it's there was always something about it it was quite liberating and so as a 14 year old i had i started off like everyone else did with a an aerial on a biscuit tin and a and a power supply and a dodgy amstrad cb on me on my desk in my bedroom but Again, it was, it was once you got it in the car, that's where it became fun. So you could talk to your mates in convoy and play convoy and play convoy on the stereo. And We tried this with the little walkie-talkies that we had at we work, did. didn't we, for communicating mm. around the building. We thought it would be quite good good fun when we were next on a road trip delivering a car somewhere, but they didn't work too well on the move, did they? I think they were a no, bit they were hopeless. cheerful to work. It was easier just to use the uh, just to use CarPlay and phone each other. Yeah. But where's the fun in not, that? Not, not as charming, that's a point. We wanted, although we had the mm. ability to, and, and actually I think that, that kind of speaks volumes, because the, the CB radio thing, that you know, that, that was never, never a hobby of mine, and I don't really get it. But actually, well, hang on, we can just call each other on the mobile. Well, no, that's no fun. I'd rather have a walkie-talkie and talk to you and have to say over and do things like that because <laughs> it's just more fun so why not and it's a good way of passing the time on uh, on a road trip so uh, actually i think we should uh, we should have another investigator though shouldn't we see if we can get some better ones go speak to thunderpole i i have just googled thunderpole with uh, with safe search off and it, it brings up a variety of results <laughs> I'm, I you have to target that. your search somewhat more jim i think that's the uh, that's the thing if you start going on looking for a big twig you're uh, you're going to end up again getting sort of mixed mixed results there so be ah, very see, careful i have just for. had a warning from uh, from google that some results may be explicit and and uh, they're right <laughs> <laughs> i've been searching on amazon as you as you do when it comes to black friday and the like uh, and having a look at things that uh, that I could buy people, which would be lovely. And I have found that you can buy a, there's no other word to say this, a sweaty ball sack air freshener that will hang from your rear view mirror, which is absolutely tasteful, as you'd probably imagine. And it says, fun gifts for women, girlfriend, her, present for men, boyfriend, him. Scent of lavender. Why lavender? I was, the reason... I was just about to say, when you said a sweaty ball sack air freshener, is because yes. normally you would say, I have a vanilla air freshener i have yes. a lemon lime air freshener normally the the words coming just before air freshener describe the scent so i'm, yes. I'm glad you've clarified <laughs> it that the air freshener itself doesn't actually smell like sweaty ball sacks i, I wonder if it's got jock strap I wonder if it's got a, a scratch and sniff, like, <laughs> like some of them do. You get to see what it smells like before you put it up. Anyway, the reason why I picked this out is because I don't want one. So if you're thinking about sending one to UK Motor Talk, then please don't. The reason why I thought about this is because a friend of mine, what started off as just a an opportune moment, we were driving back from the cinema or Smith & Wesson or somewhere, and they were giving away free peanuts, which is presumably terrible for people with allergies. But which is why I don't do it anymore. And we were in his his car. It was a I think a Mark Three Mondo. It might be his missus' car actually. And above your head, there's a sunglasses holder that rotates round, so you can see where this is going. I filled the thing up with actual peanuts, and he because he I just knew he would just play with it. So as we were driving along, he just pressed the button. All of a sudden, just got showered in in peanuts, complete in the shells. Um, and so he continued when he bought his his uh, his new car which he bought from the place i worked at the time i filled the the sun the sunglasses holder with those foam peanuts which you know the ones that just go everywhere and you're picking them out of the carpet for the next months and months and months anyway i was indoors and he must have just done it he must have just tapped the button and i suddenly heard this gates really loudly from inside <laughs> He just got showered in these peanuts, which presumably is still in his car. And so it's progressed from there. So it's become um, sort of the, what's that ca- carpet herpes stuff called? Glitter. Um, those little things that you get your your birthday where they've got the <laughs> your age on or whatever it is. Everything. When I get posted something, they're in there, they're in the car. It's just become all out war. And I like the idea of just filling his sunglasses holder with these. So as he 
flicks the button and it turns around. It just deposits these sweaty ball air fresheners directly in front of him. I can't think of anything better than that. Next time you do get a chance, the best uh, best prank like that I found for people's cars is uh, empty. Go go and find a hole puncher in the office or probably, well, it's a paperless office, so buy a hole puncher and a lot of paper and get punching some holes. But empty out as many of those as you can and pop them into the air vents of the car. So just, oh, there we are, we've got a hole punch, a very 1980s. Uh, but empty, uh, empty those into the air vents of the car, point them all at the driver, and in an old school car, you know, turn it up to, uh, up to four and point them full on at your face. So the second they turn on the ignition, it's just maximum air blasting these teeny tiny little <laughs> holes of paper everywhere, and they go everywhere, and you'll be driving the car along a year two years, three years later, and one will just suddenly flutter out of the air. <laughs> one that had been stuck in there for ages. No idea how it got stuck and, and what eventually worked it loose. But that's uh, that's always a good one. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> it is. And talking... also, it will probably confuse the hell out of the next opener as well. <laughs> well, you took, you're talking earlier on, Mike, about the, the foam peanut thing. Um, many, many moons ago when I worked for an outpost of ITV on an industrial estate somewhere in London, um, one of our colleagues, because we all worked on this shift, and we were like a little family who basically got to know everybody's foibles, everybody's buttons to push, all that sort of thing. So wind-ups were a plenty, and it was it was funny. It was a lot of fun, but even if you were on the receiving end of it, it was quite a giggle. But one of our number... Uh, was a young lady who had a slightly battered Fiat Uno, who uh, she used to take a lot of very sort of expensive foreign holidays and um, like telling people about it because, you know, young and fancy free and all this sort of thing. And uh, she left her car parked at the car park because it was quite handy for Heathrow. So one one Sunday when we were all bored on shift, we all decided that uh, we would break into this uh, Fiat Uno, which as anyone who knows the Mark 1 Fiat Uno would know, not difficult in the slightest. All you need is a little bit of... Um, little bit of string a rope or basically anything just to hook on the uh, the latch and in you are and uh, we fortunately had a, a big delivery of uh, very high-tech videotape broadcasting equipment that weekend which meant there were an awful lot of these um, foam peanuts lying around and we thought well wouldn't it be fun just to fill her car to the roof with them and, uh, <laughs> and lo, lo and behold we did and uh, locked the car again and uh, she came back a week later fortunately we were off shift that time but um yeah that that was quite an interesting reaction when she finally turned up it was literally jammed to the ceiling i think it was even starting to push the sunroof up it was so full that's amazing yeah good fun happy days you've got there's no way around that is it? you've just got to open the door and i think actually to be honest just wind both windows down and set off at full speed. That's that's the only possible way, isn't it? Possibly with a tailgate open as well. Yeah, open open the boot. That's the only way of doing it. Sorry, the other one we did with her, I've just remembered. We, um, you know what camera tape is? It's like thin version of gaffer tape. We used to have some of that mm. stuff. It's white. And um, she used to park her car nose into the wall. So um, we managed to just move it slightly back a bit and uh, write the words on her grill, flash me, with a big exclamation mark. <laughs> And the next day she came in and goes, I've just been driving everywhere and everyone's flashing their lights at me because I have not got... She, she never looked at the front of a car. I mean, it was only when somebody went out there and pointed. At least they only flashed their lights at her, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could have gone very differently. That. I remember we had um, a, an area manager. He was a bit of an idiot with the things he would say. And he was, he was certainly... He certainly believed in his own importance. Anyway, he said to you, you think you would have cleaned the car for me or something? Words to that effect. And I remember the branch manager at the time, he, he said, I'm sure you do a half decent job. So he, he quite literally got the washing broom things, which are horrible for the pavement, nevertheless, and went straight up the middle of the car, over the roof, down the back and completely cleaned one side, inside and out really well, parked it next to his window, reversed it back. So that when he, at the end of the day, he'd gone to his car <laughs> thinking, oh, that looks fantastic. Gone to the front of it. The other side was just completely filthy he just done it and said there you go half decent job and just left him to it um which is, which is and he filled the inside with you know the mirror hangers over everything so they were hanging off the seats off the sun visor hanging out the head lining in the door rubbers everywhere he was not happy but it was hilarious um, and he never asked us again i wonder why job well mm. done um the other thing that i found again on amazon because this is a, a world of uh of 
<laughs> of beautiful gifts appropriate for, for, for anyone, of course, is. And I can't understand. I can understand why you want this at home, maybe. Yeah, I can definitely understand why you want this at home. Can't understand why you want it in the car. But it is a full size, and it says two in one, mobile beer dispenser. Now, this, and I'll, I will just show you, gentlemen, so you can see, is basically like a full pub beer leave the whole bit right and you, you can fit a pint glass under the pint glass is approximately i don't know a third of the size of this thing and it runs on 12 volt so you need to plug it into your car just to keep everything cold i i, I we obviously do not condone drink drive that's a terrible terrible thing but i mean you that's that's definitely one of those gifts for people that 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 make a choice that they're going to drive somewhere and that's it isn't it I mean, obviously you wouldn't want to drive home. You're going to be stuck wherever you are and you can't then sit in your driver's seat for obvious reasons. But it, it describes it as elegant. So you get your <laughs> money's worth. Um, I, I, I like that. It says it is a stylish addition to your vehicle. Um, so if you want one of these, they're about 120 quid. Uh, it has 13 litres of cooling space. You could drink a lot of beer in the back of your car. Well, you could, uh, you could fill it with a Bex Blue or Heineken... 0.0 or whatever they call the yes uh, we would recommend the non-alcoholic that alcoholic Heineken couldn't you there is another problem though isn't there have you ever tried driving with 13 liters of anything in something that isn't strapped down or inside you, you I was going to say yeah if, if you've had 13 <laughs> pints of Bex for... Blue whilst driving a lot <laughs> oh look another yeah. services I think we'll just stop there again oh look a, a hedge that'll do also it would be slightly yeah. awkward if you got pulled over by a policeman and you had a beer dispenser on the passenger seat <laughs> And a pint in your hand. That, that would be a bit of an awkward conversation, wouldn't it? Yeah, a, a blurred face and a starring role on police interceptors soon follows, I would imagine. <laughs> now, I mentioned Older this to a friend though. of mine, and she she's uh, and she won't mind me saying she's in her 60s. And she was saying that she was walking to work one day, and she worked at the, the hospital. And a guy had an MGBGT and had said to her, oh, do you want, do you want a lift? And she said, oh, yeah, okay, you'll have to get in the back. When she got got in the car and got into the back of the car, it wasn't a ploy. Um, the reason was because he'd melted. Sounds he'd like mounted, a ploy to me. Yes, a full-size beer cake in the passenger footwell so he could pour himself a pint on the drive home. Well, why not, indeed? <laughs> These presumably were very different times. Absolute madness. So there you go. Don't drink drive. But if you do want a £120 gift, which has 13 litres of cooling space, there you go. Have well, a look. the old phrase was, don't drink and drive, you'll spill it. But that is incredibly flippant, and I would just echo the fact that do not drink and drive. It is stupid. Yeah, do not drink and drive. I can't understand why anyone would want that for the car, but there you go. Things that I found for Christmas. I went through uh, the same provider as you. I went through Amazon looking at gifts, and I came up with a list of immensely practical and pragmatic gifts, none of which I'm going to mention now. Um, but I did come, come up with a T-shirt, which I really liked, because it seems to fit rather rather well for me. Eat, sleep, fix cars, repeat. Eat, sleep, fix cars, repeat. Seems to be what I do. Perfect for that Peugeot driver in your life. Well, <laughs> indeed so. Yes. Or the, or the, the uh, much-troubled Volvo. Oh, I, I think you've bought the only unreliable Volvo in the world. These things are tanks. <laughs> They're gone forever and ever. It goes on. It just lets me down occasionally. I've looked at a, a couple this uh, this week, a 940 and a 960, and uh, a Torsalander, which is a fantastic name. Torsalander, yeah. They were great. That was a, a special edition, wasn't it? I seem to that was a 240, wasn't it, the Torsalander? Yes. Yeah, there have been a number that have been particularly uh, particularly attractive. Uh, with Volvos, you kind of think bigger the better, maybe. But there's something about a 240 that I particularly like. The 940 960s are just ridiculously huge. We had a 240 when I was younger. It was a great little car, that thing. It was one of the first cars I can remember my parents owning. It was a Volvo 240. Lovely thing. And a, one almost identical came up on collecting cars a while ago. It went for a bit too much money, but it was immaculate, this thing. You know, as, as good as new. And it brought back memories, because I vaguely remember my parents getting this 240 when it was nearly new. I suppose it would have been, uh, what was it, original A-Reg, so 80... 83. 83 so yeah I'd have I'd have remembered it from about being about three years old so still relatively new and shiny my dad always looked after the cars so yeah it just uh, it brought back good memories good cars 240s was it in Volvo blue because they, they all seem to be that same blue 
or red. No, it's red. Or red. Red. Yeah, yeah. is it blue or red? There doesn't be any other option. Yes. Well, talking of um, Volvos, I mean, this this will be topical if you're listening to this around about sort of end of November, beginning of December of 2021, and you're in or Britain, in a Volvo. And- or in a Volvo, which is timeless, <laughs> as we all know. Yes. Um, or, but, time, uh, time warp. Time warp. If you are a fan of Guy Martin, he is also a big Volvo fan, and he has a new series at the minute called Guy's Garage, which is on Channel 4, the UK Channel 4. And uh, I watched the one from last week. I've been catching up on a bit of telly after my, my post-COVID reverie. Uh, and he went to sweden to race volvos basically doing autocross in volvos they call it folk racing over there and it's like a combination of autocross uh, with british touring cars no no holds barred contact encouraged and uh, highly highly amusing i can recommend it it's on the, the all four player here in the uk or if you've got a vpn anywhere in the world i should imagine but uh, well worth a look and um, very endearing very good use of a volvo 240 or a couple of volvo 240s actually as it transpired but uh, spoiler <laughs> alert I, th- I saw a clip of that it looked a bit brutal I, th- I thought it was a really really funny program but not to be taken too seriously but the one that i think is on tonight as we speak is a uh, three-wheeler it so- looks like something like a tuk-tuk it's an appy yeah is that what it is right it's a piaggio yeah which they uh, apparently decide to take racing so uh i've not seen that yet i watched the three-wheeler one last night i mean it's, it's really good you'll love it i mean if nothing else from watching these things you realize what a naturally talented driver stroke rider that man is he can basically make anything go fast anywhere anytime he's amazing it's it's quite quite fearless the story i i really enjoyed was was the spitfire engine that he rebuilt on the dolly with wheels and so on on it which as soon as they fired it up propelled itself through the back wall of their their garage <laughs> because, because there was still a propeller on it just took the back wall out well not his garage the garage he works in so it was his boss's back wall if you like so. So he'd obviously built it very well then I he built it very well. It's now, uh, I believe, um, a pride of place in his garage. But his garage seems to have got bigger and bigger and bigger. If one is to it's watch a barn, his garage, isn't it? Because yeah, I've basically. seen him keep his truck and everything else in there. What I, I love about Guy is that he he's obviously very down to earth, and he is just like he is on TV in real life. But he he seems to be very happy. Just he's happy doing what he's doing. He's happy working on an engine or working on a truck he's just a happy guy and I, I i think that's that's so admirable isn't it to be to to enjoy what you do whatever it is that he does he seems to really enjoy it throws himself into it but just he loves it i heard him recently referred to as the fred dibner of his age which are, yeah. i don't know whether any of you yeah. remember fred dibner but uh, but but yes. i think that's that's a pretty accurate description he just loves what he does he turns down most tv work unless it's something that really interests him or he will enjoy doing he'd far rather be underneath a truck um, fixing drive shafts and things genuinely that is that is what you yeah. what you see is what you get mm. yeah i mean there have been some fantastic series the, the boats that guy built i particularly loved i think that's probably the first thing i really watched with him in it and it, it really um really endeared him to me just a, a great all-round guy <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> i think the the one that the, he made uh i can't remember what it was he was racing but it's uh, uh bonneville salt flats uh when he joined in the speed weeks there but it was enormously entertaining just the, the way uh, sort of americans took to his openness yeah, you know where you stand, wouldn't you? Oh, it's a super van. Oh, a... yes. Yes. Was, was that the one yes. he took to the Nürburgring? I think he did later on take it to the Nürburgring, didn't he? Because um, wasn't there a Mark II of this van? He loves a transitor's guy, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's got a... I think the thing he's driving around in at the minute was a, a, a man, M-A-N. He's pottering around it. But he does just drive himself everywhere. He's happy driving that thing, isn't he? Yeah. He basically lives in it. Um Three and a half litre twin turbo EcoBoost V6 developed upwards of 700 brake horsepower by Radical Performance Engines. That's almost as much as his Volvo, which he spent years developing, which is, uh, I believe, nearly a thousand brake horsepower. Fantastic. Mad. Yeah, mad. (laughs) I think you'd have (laughs) to be. I had a customer at an Amazon. I thought it was a great looking car. Mm. It's a very good looking motor car. Still see them about, but not often. But just one or two. I think there was one of those on um, 
Was that an Amazon? It might have been something else. Oh, no, actually, it might have been the one that came before it, the, sort of the Beetleback Volvo from the sort of early 60s. But it was an episode of um, Chasing Classic Cars. It's basically, this thing was showroom delivery miles. It had about three miles on the clock, and it had just sat in this showroom as as this. It still had the plastic on the seats from 1962 or whatever it was, and uh, Wayne Carini, little Wayne Carini, went in and was coveting it, and they said, oh, well, we can't sell it to you, but you can sit in it if you want. Just don't mess it up. And it's amazing. I love Time Warp stuff like that. It's like the stories of um, these cars that are sort of stuck in the in the no-man's land in the middle of Nicosia that were marooned there when, when the Turks invaded. And um, it's, they're now stuck there with about an inch and a half of dust on, but they're sort of Toyotas and Datsuns with zero kilometres on the clock. Amazing, amazing thing. Years ago, I was commissioned to do a survey of a, a big, sprawling old building with loads of outbuildings so, somewhere in Syria, I can't remember exactly where. But um, I opened up one of the barns, which was virtually falling down, to find it full of 50s Rileys. There's about half half a dozen of them in there. Tarps over some of them, and most of them just uncovered, but just gradually mouldering away. Great shame. I love a barn find, and there there can't be any more barns in the UK with cars to find in them, because everything on eBay is a barn find or garage find. Of course it's in the found it in the garage. It was there when I parked it. I met a a really lovely guy um, who's a regular down at Goodwood a couple of weeks back, and he had a classic mini Sprite, which my little boy was just obsessed with. He said, well, do you want to get in and have a play with it? And this thing was absolutely This, this man was you, but just born to different parents, wasn't he? With, and, it, and yes. That was about it. It was like a mirror. And he'd heard that there was a old mini, a lady had passed away, and it, there was a, a car in the garage. And they, were just, they just wanted to get rid of it. They wanted to get rid of this car because it was in the way and they were trying to sell the estate. So there's an old car in the garage and he thought it was a Mini and he managed to contact the solicitor and they said, oh, it's, it's an old car, with this thing is a Mini. And it was a super low mileage, super low mileage uh, Mini Sprite. Uh, and so he went down there uh, and they said, look, can you get it out? Can you get rid of it for us? Uh, yes, he said, well, how much do you want for it? Yes, yes, I can. <laughs> he, he said, well, go get, make us an offer, 500 quid, done. Uh, so he got this absolute, and it's this, and he said, well, I said, oh, I feel so very rare that I feel jealous because I think, fantastic, you've gone out there, you've earned this, you've got it, you know, well done. I said, yeah, I'm definitely envious. And he goes, oh, I said, it's worth it. This is the second time I've done that. And he's got a, a, a Mark II Mini Cooper. I, I did think you were going to stab him in the eye at that stage. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and he he was such a such a lovely guy, but he did not. Uh, my, my little boy did not want to get out of this mini. I had to quite literally drag him out. But that was clean, that wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah, very clean, very clean. It's like thirty thousand miles. Yeah, he was, uh, miles, he was in there and sort of playing with things, and you did get slight. Oh, is he going to break something? Is it going to fall apart? We thought. Well, actually, the whole thing's okay. I'll tell you what. I'll buy it off you for what it owes you. Five hundred quid, job done. Yeah, <laughs> but the guy was fine, though, wasn't he? He was like, yeah, just let him play. Just let him play with it. Yeah, it d- d- didn't bother him in the slightest, did it? it was, I'd, I'd have been yeah. having a heart attack if that was me. But yeah, oh, we made him take. Obviously, made him take his shoes off and we made sure. But when he went to, to get back in it. Wipers were going. Your ladder lights is, were not on. The owner. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that somewhere there is a a beauty of a barn find for me. I think probably the closest I ever got was um, Mark One Fiesta, which was in Daytona yellow and L, uh, and, and an early one. It was an S Reg. So that's what 1977, something like that. But it was yeah. I th- it was that this maybe the first year, second year of production. One one door mirror. It had a a pump action screen washer on the floor. You had to stamp on the, the little pump to make the screen go. Um, although a rear wash wipe, which was weird. And if you hit the heated rear window button, it would start the car. Like a starter button. I have no idea what had gone wrong there, but something quite bad. Ah, no, <laughs> it, it knew that if you put the heated rear screen on, it would flatten the battery. So it was a very ah. early version of auto start-stop. Yes, you're probably yeah, start, right. Stop as opposed to stop start. There we go. Of course, yeah. I mean, what a, what a brilliant piece of engineering. These things were designed to be as big as uh, as an Escort Mark II Escort inside. The rear seats folded flat, and the parcel shelf folds flat on top of them. Just a, a brilliant little car, really fantastic, and and one that I bought. And when I bought it, the brakes were seized on, and everything was a little bit seized. But on the passenger seat was a, a newspaper from 1994, which is the last time the car had been out. And the guy had owned it 
put it in the garage and then stacked stuff up behind it. So his relatives, when he'd passed away, had no idea the thing was in there until they started clearing out the garage. Blimey. I forget how much I paid for it. It was a few hundred quid. And at the time, I just didn't really have anywhere to put it. So I got it taken to a business a little bit away from home. And they kept it for me very kindly. But I couldn't get up there to work on it. So eventually sold it for something silly like six or seven hundred quid. And now it would be worth quite a lot of money because it was quite low mileage. It was pretty solid. If only we all had a barn to keep all the cars we've ever owned in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely the one that got away. It's definitely the one that got away. It would be a great little car. Um, it wasn't anything special, only a little 950, but all done up, it would have been would have been a spectacular little thing just to, just to run around, just great fun, four speed, just a cool little car. You'd need a very, very big barn for all the cars I've owned over the years. Mostly yeah. uh, uh, short-lived. Uh, the, the, the one that... Uh, Crashed? You were talking earlier about Volvos. <laughs> there was the Volvo 141 that lasted, I think, three months. But it cost me 20 quid, so I couldn't complain. I think the fastest I've ever done, owned a car for is seven minutes. I bought a car purely for the rear bumper on the Onion because it's so it's such a, an unusual colour and spec and everything. They only came on this one uh, specific limited edition. And then uh, a diesel one. Anyway, gloss over that. Um, and I bought the car just for the bumper. Um, a friend of mine was also bidding on the car. I didn't realise. And he wanted it. So I sold it to him immediately for, I think, a quid less than I'd, I paid for it or something silly. We both went up. I signed the logbook and then gave it to him. Um, or I gave him the logbook straight away. I can't remember now. But ne- nevertheless, I owned it so, so briefly. Um, he took it home and then used it for a, a charity run. But did you take the rear bumper off it? I did take the rear bumper off it, yeah. And oh, I put it fine. in the back. Yeah. And what what's worse was I'd, I think I'd... Yeah, in fact, it was not long after I'd had a, a car crash. One of my... Um, one of my drivers at the time went up the back end of a Safira that I was, I was blessed with, and uh, just ruined the underside. All the boot floor got pushed in, and also ruined my back in the process. So Amy had to drive up there just to go and get this bumper in another. I think it was my sixteen hundred E or something I had at the time to go and get this bumper in, and then drive the whole way back. It was all just shot or something. It wasn't massively close, and she was thrilled with this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, forty cars in, I'd need a big barn too. I reckon by now. Yeah, I had a 1600 a year as well, so to add to the list. Good cars. The only car I think I've ever actually made any money on was I bought for £7, 10 shillings, and uh, sold it for 22 quid. And I wish I'd kept it because it was 51 Ford Anglia. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't a pound different back then because a shilling was 5p, but you could have two shillings and sixpence, <laughs> well... Shouldn't that be three shillings and one pence? So isn't that just 16p? But it didn't work like that. So I, no, I have no idea how this works. How, how, how do you know you made a profit? Yeah, no, no, I know I made a profit. And it was, it was bought in old money and sold in old money, and I made a profit. But then the guy that uh, was a mate of mine, uh, who then also sold it on after six months or so, and uh, you know he made an even bigger profit. So it was just one of those cars that had reached the bottom and uh, was starting to escalate. Did he get some more bobs for it? Because that 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 well, was the thing, wasn't it? A bob. Well, it finished up with a with a I think a V eight in it. So, it went oh, that's cool. Racing. Yeah, value added. That's pretty cool. I think pretty much, pretty much all the old cars I've owned have made a profit. It's only the new ones that haven't. If that makes sense. Except for mm-hmm. now, because you could if you own a newish car, you might as well go and sell it because it'll be worth more than what it was you paid for it anyway. Pretty much anything now will be worth, you know, 20, 25, 30, maybe even more as a percent than it was earlier in the year. It's, uh, it's absolutely nuts at the moment, isn't it? I, I priced up a relatively, I say relatively high mileage, it's not high mileage at all really, but about an 80,000 mile Jag, which was something like 15 grand in, in the best condition today. Back in May it was 10 grand about right it's, it's mad it's absolutely mad because it's just such a shortage of cars but that's for another podcast so pop-up motor shows these are the new thing this new brave world we live in there's um in advance of next year's british motor show which is making a return to farnborough um they're doing a series of pop-up motor shows i believe and the first one 
is tomorrow, which tomorrow being the 1st of December, if, depending on when you're listening to this, this will have already started. I'll say, don't worry if you're listening to this podcast a week after we've recorded it, it's still going on, although it starts tomorrow, it carries on for quite a while, doesn't it? A bit like so us, don't, uh, to don't be honest. Don't panic, good listeners, don't panic. You have a whole 24 days to get along to Gunwharf Keys and down in Portsmouth for their... That is where it is. Uh, so, yes, basically, in the run-up to Christmas, they're doing the first of what I believe is four, I think, uh, four pop-up motor shows. And, uh, yeah, down at Gunwharf Keys in Portsmouth. So plenty of parking, if nothing else. So you'll be able to pop in and have a look. Um, looks quite good, this, doesn't it? Yeah, that looks like there's a bit going on. There's some scale electric and driving simulators and obviously some cars on display and merchandise and all sorts of motoring-related things for the motoring enthusiast amongst all of us, which... I presume is all our listeners. Well, at least some of them, certainly. I mean, I wonder if there's going to be a, an outlet shop. Whenever I think of Gunwolf Keys, I think it was uh, is outlet shops. Go down there, go and do your motoring bit, go to your outlet shop, come back, fill a car up, and off you go. Fantastic. Why not? Good place for it. Lots going on there. Yeah, I quite agree. Christmas shopping and car shopping, all in one easily accessed venue, which, to be fair, it is actually very easy to get to. So get along down there. I don't know if we're going to have a company outing down that way. I mean, Portsmouth's not a million miles from any of us, really, is it? So uh, well, we, we may get, get down there. We've got a few days. Look. Should we try and have a wander round if we can? Why not? I wonder how long it'll take to get there in a Pill P50. I bet Alex has gone that way. He seems to be down what's his sort of beauty direction now. Yeah, I was uh, looking at the uh, the map. It's certainly a, a long way. He's gone the long way around, hasn't he? Which is, uh, I, I suppose it shows his uh, his love for the car. It's... Always think that's a good sign with the car when you take the long way home. But the long way from John O'Groats to Land's End is is a very, very, very long way. But he's getting on with it, to be fair. He's blinking, his little red dot is blinking somewhere just outside a lovely, beautifully named place called Dibden Perlier. Perlier? Perlier? It's basically New Forest just across the water from Southampton. In one of the groups that I'm in on Facebook, I think it's cars you, you don't see anymore. Someone has taken a photo of the P50 parked up behind the vans. I guess they must be must have stopped for the night somewhere, and uh, and, and locals have spotted him. He's done a fantastic job raising money. About seven and a half grand he's on now, which is which is great. He was hoping to to raise about two grand. So fair play to him. That's a, a lot of a lot of oil that he's going <laughs> to and a lot of fuel he's going to need to have done that. So probably keep him. He will have shares in that by now, but. Other than that, I mean, that's, that is a serious commitment. I don't even know if these things have got a stereo in, have they? Uh, doubt it. I could explain why he's just down that part of the world. He's not a million miles away from Fawley Refinery, so perhaps he's going, <laughs> in there with a, up. going in there with a can, just asking if someone can help him out. It's all for charity. Yeah, yeah he's not a million miles from there. I'm just looking at gifts here. Um, funnily enough, now we've said Volvo, and I've, I've just searched for Volvo on Amazon. And there's a, a t-shirt here that says, Never underestimate an old man with a Volvo. I can't decide whether that seems charming or threat. <laughs> I'll have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and on uh, on that note, I think it's uh, probably time we uh, we wrap this up. From me, Jim, it's good night. Drive carefully. Good night, everybody, and uh, take good care. From me, Mike, goodbye. And from me, Dave, whenever it is, have a good one. Take care. We'll catch you next time. And bye-bye. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.